When I was 16 years old, I got a taste of what it's like to be a professional athlete. I competed in an AVP National Championship Beach Volleyball Tournament in Hermosa Beach, California, and my partner Harper and I made it to the finals. Should be quite a matchup as we see Harper Hallgren get the first swing down the line. The USC commit partnered up with Molly Davis. It's a pick your poison there. Who do you serve? Both of those girls are exceptional. I had never been more excited to compete because the championship game was played on stadium court and there were thousands of people watching in person and even more on ESPN. I thrived under that type of pressure. It's the rush you get when you're in possession of the ball, waiting for the ref's whistled permission to serve. It's the heavy beat in your chest, slowly falling as you catch your breath under the tent during timeouts. It's the deafening cheers of fans, whether they know you or not. It's the adrenaline that pulses through your veins after every single rally. And of course, it's the euphoric joy that you feel when you win. And Molly Davis out of Mansfield, Texas. She is a monster. Absolutely phenomenal player to watch. Won't be long before we're seeing her in the qualifiers, in the main draws. It is championship point coming up. Molly Davis, Harper Hallgren out of serve, receives Zoe Smith at the service line. And she misfires, going aggressive to Hallgren's outside shoulder. Doesn't work, your AVP first. 2016 national champions are Molly Davis and Harper Hallgren. I never got to see what it might be like to play these types of games beyond my junior years. As you may know from listening to the first episode of this podcast, my health took a turn when I was 17. Once I got to college, my heart couldn't keep up with the demands of high-level athletics anymore. I felt my body shutting down day by day. So when the doctors told me they had to medically retire me, I wasn't really in shock because I had known deep down for a while that it was coming. But every once in a while, I still miss the rush of adrenaline you feel when your teammate is playing lights out or when you win against a team you never should have beat. Your sport is a part of who you once were, which made you who you are today. And that's not easy to forget after only a few years. It's even harder for those lucky few who do make it to the professional level, those who make a career out of it. Pro sports are so weird in the way that in a split second, everything can be taken from you. It's not always a snapped bone or a gnarly concussion either. Sometimes it's something that's always been inside of you, always been a part of you, and you just didn't know it. Welcome back to Malls on Mike. New episodes every Thursday. Cameron Smith was a linebacker for the USC Trojans, named MVP his senior year before being drafted to the Minnesota Vikings in 2019. Cam was a phenomenal football player through and through. He was set up for a long career in the NFL until doctors accidentally discovered a congenital heart defect in 2020. I asked, is there a way that we could manage this and and then, you know, just go throughout the season and be cautious? And, and they said, yes, that's possible, or you could drop dead. No time to call an ambulance. Your essentially heart would just be done and not functioning anymore. But before we get into that, let's rewind back to the beginning. Yeah, I started playing football when I was six years old. And I think at that point, I enjoyed it and, and had fun. But I think a lot of it comes down to at that age, like whether or not you're good, if you enjoy it, right? Like, I think. Some kids are maybe scared to hit or um, just haven't really hit the hit like their athleticism yet or whatever it may be. So I think um, I was 
you know, fairly decent size, but I wasn't the biggest. I just enjoyed, you know, I was a pretty intense kid. And I think a lot of that just came out on the football field and allowed me to like have success doing at a young age. And I don't think that I really fell in love and was like, um, saw something from it until probably seventh or eighth grade. And then I think ninth grade moving into my sophomore year was when everything really fell into place. And I felt like this is something that I want to pursue long-term and, and, uh, try and, you know, do whatever I can to play at the next level and beyond. So, um, yeah, it just kind of evolved over time. And I think, um, as anything should for a kid, I, I played a lot of sports and, um, was constantly doing something. My dad was never a fan of the term hanging out. So he just kept me busy as much as possible. And, um, so my mom and, you know, would kind of help navigate stuff on the weekdays while he was working and then on the weekends or any type, any sort of game, he tried to make everything he could. So yeah, it just was, um, it was valued in my day to day. It was valued my, with, with my parents and with my family, like sports was very important for me to just find an outlet or find something that I could sink my teeth into and really pursue. So that's how everything got going. Yeah. And then it just kind of went from there and landed a couple of big offers and then it got again we got really serious and uh, had some success so yeah football was a big part of my life for sure for, since I can remember. Cam's early football career was relatively smooth sailing and his true freshman year at USC was extremely impressive. Second and five to 49. Wilson. Bad. Oh my goodness, Kevin Smith again. Three interceptions. He was leading the Trojans in tackles and interceptions throughout the first 10 games of the season until he hurt his knee. I didn't have my first big injury until my freshman year at SC, uh, where I tore my ACL. That was the first time I felt like what people talk about coming back from an injury. I'd never missed a game, never even like thought about missing a game. And then coming off a really exciting year, my freshman year, where I, I really kind of took, um, took the Pac-12 by storm, so, so to speak. And, and I think having that ACL and my season was tough, mentally tough. Um, I think it carried on into the next year of just kind of, you know, just being able to trust myself. And, and I think it changed the way that I played a lot just cause I, I was, I felt like leading up into my sophomore year, I felt like Superman and just like nothing could stop me. And I just could play the game that I always knew that I had, had been able to. And after that ACL, it really felt like there was um, some sort of limiting factors, um, in my mind. Um, so I think that was, that was the first big injury and really my only big injury at USC. His ACL injury didn't hold him back for long, though. Cam went on to captain the USC football team, winning extensive awards and setting himself up for the 2019 draft, where he went in the fifth round to the Minnesota Vikings. But the next year, COVID hit and protocols changed within the NFL. Yeah, it was the summer of 2020 when COVID was, uh, it was getting figured out. But it was still, um, you know, life was not normal. So going into camp in 
the end of July, uh, you had to have three negative COVID tests to be able to set foot and start like getting your physical, um, in the facility. And so the first, the first test I had a presumptive positive, um, which I can only really take that as a false positive, uh, cause the following, the following three, I tested negative and was fine. And I uh, was right after the 4th of July, we went, we were, had a good fun time. So anyway, started tested negative three times after that, got growing into camp, got my physical and um, the NFL's policy was to go see, like, go get an echocardiogram, or, uh, yeah, an echocardiogram was longer than EKG, and also, um, just to get some further testing on your heart, because I think there was, at the time, people thought that COVID did affect your heart in some way or another, and, um, I don't even know if that's still the case, I'm not sure. So then I went and got that stuff done, and they noticed that with my heart, there was, it was three times the size of a normal heart. And, um, I had to go get an MRI and, uh, I had no idea at the time. And, and when I got back to the facility, the, the training staff had let me know that I need to go see a cardiologist and kind of get, get going on things. And so when I went and saw the first cardiologist in Minneapolis, um, she had told me like, we're going to have to put in a mechanical valve. I'll be on blood thinners for the rest of my life and football as I knew it was done. So, which I in some way or another, like failed to accept. Like I just was, I didn't, I was in disbelief. Yes. But I was also like, I'm 21 years old. There's gotta be a different way than being on blood thinners for the rest of my life. The false negative test quickly escalated into a diagnosis of something much larger than just a flu-like virus. Cam had a bicuspid aortic valve. So a healthy aortic valve is comprised of three flaps or cusps to control blood flow from the left chamber of your heart to the main artery that delivers blood throughout your body. In a heart that has a bicuspid aortic valve, there are only two flaps instead of three. This can cause other conditions called aortic stenosis or aortic regurgitation, both of which are really serious and can lead to symptoms that disrupt everyday life. Bicuspid aortic valves can cause very serious heart complications, especially if they aren't monitored closely. When the story came out, I had somebody who, he was a long snapper, played for the Philadelphia Eagles for a long time, and then also played with the Saints, and he had the same, his was a little bit more severe, he was older than I was, and um, found it later on in his career, but he had the same bicuspid aortic valve issue or symptom, and um, he went and saw this cardiologist at UPenn, so he had gotten in contact with me in some way, somehow, and let me know that this was this Dr. Bavaria at a UPenn was like the only person that I should go see. And so I, when I got in contact with him, he had seen my MRI, seen my echocardiogram and stuff. And so he, had, he was a little bit um, in the know of what was going on. And uh, he, he was pretty fired up, to be honest with me, like to be honest with you, he was, he was excited. He was like pre presented this challenge in which like he got to put a feather in his cap in a way. Um, which I appreciated. And I think, um, it gave me some form of excitement. It gave me a sense of like, this isn't it. Cause he was like, I'm going to get you back on the field right now. You're broken and I'm going to fix you. And so I definitely trusted him and I, I was excited. And when I got the surgery done, he, you know, I'd expressed a lot of, uh, confidence in his, in what he did. And, and, uh, so yeah, I think that was kind of through it all up, up until surgery. And then after that was just you know, trying to get figured out how to get back on the field and, and, you know, recovering and stuff. So yeah, that was, uh, 
it was a weird process, but I think so much of it has like continued to shape into what my life is now. And, um, I had never had any other symptoms or seen a cardiologist. That was the first time. And, and that's how it went down. When Cam was diagnosed with the bicuspid aortic valve, he was in shock because he had never experienced any symptoms. As an athlete, his first instinct was to push through the metaphorical pain, which would have been easy considering he wasn't actually in any to begin with. When I found out, I asked, uh, you know, is this something that we could manage throughout the season? Because I was getting ready to go into the year and I was coming off, um, you know, a tough, a tough rookie year, but I, I was optimistic for how the how year two was going to look and i saw i asked is there a way that we could manage this and and then you know just go throughout the season and be cautious and and they said yes that's possible or you could drop dead no time to call an ambulance your essentially heart would just be done and not functioning anymore so obviously that's not something to play around with and i think i was just trying to be smart as long i mean as much as i did want to play i think it was the consequences were not worth playing around with. So yeah, it was, it was pretty serious. It was taken serious. And, um, I was lucky to have the Vikings. I think they did a really good job helping me through everything and, um, you know, just supporting me through along the way and allowing me, allowing me to be around the team and stuff like that. So yeah, it was a tough deal, but I think, um, with the people that I had around me and every, and everything, it was, it ended up being kind of a best case scenario for, a lot of different reasons. Cam, what was your initial reaction when the doctor explained to you how serious the condition was? I think when I got in the car, after I had met with her and she had told me that I was, yeah, I was a little bit just like straight faced and like, this is not it. This is, this is not what I was expecting. I, I can't believe this. And then I got in the car and called my dad and there was a lot of anxiety that had, um, had been like flushed through and definitely emotional and scared and everything that, you know, when you, when information sinks in, I think, um, yeah, you, your emotions kind of allow, or like you allow your emotions to, to get processed and, and start, you know, really feeling things. So, um, yeah, that was a big part of where I was in my headspace and, um, yeah, it was a weird deal to think about now. It's, it was a long time ago. And I think it's, uh, I don't, I couldn't imagine myself now acting any better, possibly even worse than at the moment. Cause I think, um, I was just, I don't know, it just hit so hard and, and I was kind of in a really excited place again for, for what the future and like the season was going to be. And, um, so yeah, I mean, it's weird to think about but i definitely had all kinds of emotions running through and was just struggling cam underwent open heart surgery to restore his bicuspid aortic valve it would have been very understandable for him to walk away from football at that point but he decided he wanted to give it another go i actually played the following year the first preseason game in 2021 i really wanted to get back on the field i wanted to prove it to myself and i wanted to prove it to other people at some and in some way too that I think that they had said that one in 400 people have this bicuspid aortic valve. So I kind of wanted to, in a way, I think looking back on it now, I wanted to use this as like fuel and motivation, inspiration for somebody else that has presented the same issue. And, um, you know, I 
had a concussion in that first game and I kind of took that as a sign of like, okay, it's time to hang it up and be done. And I had mentioned it to somebody prior, like I'm either going to have the best game of my life or I'm going to retire. And I think that was kind of a good, a good way of like, after it happened, I was like, all right, that's about as good of a sign as I could have asked for to move on. So I don't think it ever really, the open heart surgery and what I had going on wasn't ultimately why I retired. I think it had more to do with just feeling like after a concussion and not being ultimately in love with the game anymore and just kind of ready to move on. It just, it all compiled into one big like decision of, all right, it's time to move on and it's time to get my life going in a different direction. I don't necessarily regret that decision. I just, I look back and kind of wonder what it would be like if I was still able to play or still playing and just how my, how the direction of, of everything would be going. That feeling is all too familiar to so many of us who have had to walk away from our sport for one reason or another. A lot of people end up playing recreationally or even turning to coaching to still be around the community. But Cam has found his passion in a new area of life. Something that I have now worked on, one project that was based around fly fishing and finding yourself in the outdoors and finding yourself in a new, in a new way. But now I'm working on a film of myself. It's kind of a documentary type style film, but it's, uh, it's also talking a lot about the transition from, from one life to another, whether it be from one job to another or from one job to retirement or military to, to real, the real world or athlete to real world. I think it's such a difficult process that can only be handled by the individual and every individual will have different struggles, different circumstances, different things that they either do better or worse or, um, you know, the length of time, it, it just, it's such a individualized experience. And I think, um, it's like, I've tried to talk to other people, maybe get advice from other people, give advice to other people. And I think through the films and through doing these projects to try and help share, there's, there's just no cookie cutter way around it. And I think it's all about giving time and finding other passions that allow you to have similar emotions and feelings toward that. Because I think with a game and with a sport, you know, you're you're dealing with so much adrenaline, you're dealing with the, the fun, the, the excitement, the, um, the passion for the game. And I think it's really hard to replicate that in the real world because you can't, I mean, selling, you know, selling insurance or selling anything is like, you just, people want to talk about how it can be, you can still get that same competitive, those competitive juices flowing and, and it, it kind of athletes thrive in that space but at the end of the day for me at least it doesn't hit any of those points of like you know making a play in the backfield and standing up and like seeing ninety thousand people erupt and you're excited and everyone's excited and you're working together as a team and there's just one goal in mind and so for me it's kind of finding something in a way it's been finding something that is similar to football and similar to the game that i loved but also far enough away to where it doesn't, I don't feel like I could never get back into coaching because I think I would have a really hard time watching somebody else. So I don't know, just 
being involved in a team, but not being an athlete and not being, not being the player, but being somebody to coach and, or that's coaching. And, and I think that's why I found more stuff in, in the entertainment world, the, the, the media world. And I think it kind of gives me that sense of it's exciting. It's hard. It's a struggle. It's fun, but also I get to work together with a team and produce an end result that is just like a game. Um, where you work so hard into all of these, you know, months and weeks and years even for like one final result. I'm just kind of been trying to tell my side of how it was a struggle for me so that, you know, some of, if somebody's going through the same thing, at least they can hear just a different perspective. And, and like I said, it's tough to, for somebody just to listen and feel like, oh, I'm going to be ready when that day comes. Or if that day is here now, like yours how it'll be easier for me to get through because I think every individual is going to go through a different perspective and it's going to be them that brings themselves out of it. Cam's surgeon was able to repair his body physically, but nothing could have prepared him for the huge shift in mentality that was necessary as he recovered and ultimately retired from the NFL. Even with the broadening conversation around men's mental health, playing a tough sport at the highest level inevitably makes it harder to loosen the stigma and allow players to feel fully supported and comfortable. It's gotten so much better over the last few years. Um, and I think the NFL have tried their best. Um, I also think like anything in the world of, of newness, where it's mental health, especially on the men's side of things is, is brand new for people that they're like, they're promoting people to talk about their feelings, promoting men to like be open about how they're or where they're at mentally. So I think in some ways it's a lot more of like they're doing it because they have to like you know i think there are people that care and some people that don't care on the higher level like it's it's from the nfl it's like you see a lot more mental health discussions and things being talked about resources but i also think it's like if they didn't do that they would feel a lot more backlash than just doing it to like say they did it i think that they're trying to just navigate what really is the best um, best way to approach this new topic and new discussion of like, how, are, how can we be happier as a society and what, what works for people? Because I think it is something that everybody deals with different sort forms of mental health. So I think just trying to do something that is like a one all be all, like this is just how it works is impossible, but um, I definitely think that they're trying to do the best that they can to, to help men be ha like healthier and happier uh, mentally. Because I think that is a driving force of like where the society, where our society goes and progression is allowing everybody be to be a little bit more open about their emotions, feelings, because I think that there's a lot of times where it's like you act this way, but it's not out of, it's not like I was wanting to act this way. It's more just like, I don't know how to maybe discuss the thoughts that I'm having or whatever it may be. I think that there, it's mentally, being mentally healthy is going to drive everything. Mental and physical health are a vicious pair. You can't fully have one without the other. And it's different for everybody. My definition of health is probably a lot different than yours or Cam's. We set our own standards. And that's why it's so important to compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not to who someone else is today. I think it's, it's interesting that you discuss like how, how much your mental and physical health are related and 
where one thing struggles or one thing is struggling, the other thing, the other part can really pick it up. I believe that the brain is the most powerful piece of the body. And I think mental health and being able to laugh, smile, and be quote unquote happy in your own way, being able to feel like you're, you're pursuing something in a, with a goal in mind, um, whatever that goal is determined, I think relies so much on how you feel and how you are, uh, physically, whether you're your heart works or your properly or um all your limbs work or um, other pieces of your digestive system whatever it may be i'm going through a breakup so i think that there are times where i i, I guess yes physically i i feel healthy i feel like i'm I'm dealing with a couple nagging injuries, but I'm able to walk every day and run and, and work out and, um, nothing really holds me back, but mentally, no, I think I'm pretty, it's, it's dark in there. Sometimes it depends on the day. Um, like, I think that's throughout this, this, these last couple days, I'm like where I'm feeling less motivated or less, you know, I'm looking at an extremely dirty house right now, feeling like I'm not doing anything about this anytime soon. But the part that like I know and I'm like leaning so much on is the fact that this film has requires me to be active and be and work out and recover and do things that make me comfortable because that's what I know as an athlete I've done before is being physical, being active and and focusing on my body as like as a as a driving force of what is gonna end this make this film happen. And I think where my head is at mentally, I know that physically, eventually I will be able to pick up the slack and then, you know, then it does go back in waves. And then as you're, as working out and, and taking care of your body, that can so like positively impact your mental health tremendously. And I think that's oftentimes people neglect that, you know, like people are, who are depressed or feeling something that are struggling with their mental health, they lay in bed a lot. And it's like, that's actually the worst thing you could do for your mental health is to lay in bed in a dark room and be sad. It's like, you got to get up, you got to get active. And I think, um, it's hard. Don't get me wrong. I know it's hard. It's like, it's much easier said than done, but I think it is, they do works hand in hand tremendously. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Malls on Mike featuring Cam Smith. You can find Cam on Instagram at underscore killa cam to keep up with his new film project. And you can find my podcast page on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Facebook by searching for Malls on Mike. We'll be back here next Thursday with another episode.